The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I hope everybody is really enjoying the playoff push for the Oakland Athletics. This has been another great season for the A's, and hopefully it's going to end with a wild card game at the Oakland Coliseum, and that will be crazy. But earlier here on A's Cast Live, we celebrated with the A's the 20-game winning streak that happened back in 2002 as we honored that streak, and it was absolutely amazing. Hatterberg has a career home run off Grimsley. He's one for five when they've matched up with each other. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting rolls is uh, one for five. 269 average. Has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch. Swung on, there's a high drive, hit way back, right center field, that one is gone, and it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11-0 lead, and now they win it. Hedeberg is mobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Crazy. Just plain crazy. How do you explain it? In 103 years of American League Baseball, the Athletics have accomplished what no one has before. They have won 20 consecutive games. And we've got a few people that were a part of that streak. And they remembered just the great time. It was a great time in A's history, no question. It was the American League record at one point till Cleveland broke it. But to win 20 straight games and all the walk-offs towards, towards the end, it was crazy. So Scott Hatterberg, who obviously hit the big home run, the walk-off jack, uh, we were able to catch up with him, Mark Mulder, Ron Washington, who was a part of it, and then, of course, the face, Ray Fossey. But we will start with the man that hit the walk-off jack and won that game for the Athletics. Here's Scott Hatterberg. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live as we are celebrating the 17th anniversary of the 20-game winning streak for the Oakland Athletics, which at the time was an American League record. And the big hero, Scott Hatterberg, joins us here on A's Cast Live. Scott, how are you? I'm great, Chris. I can't believe 17 years, man. I am getting old. In that, in that, yeah, you know, I was thinking about them. I'm like, that, that really was 17 years ago. My God, I know it. it gosh, yeah. Okay, let's just forget the 17 part. Let's just say, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that was a great time. What? Well, you just think about what a special moment that was in that game against Kansas City. It was a wild game. You have a lead. You give it up, and then just take us through what it was like for you. You come out as a pinch hitter, and you hit the biggest home run of your life. Well, it was, you know, it was kind of a slow burn the way the whole thing went. I mean, it almost took, you know, the entirety of a month to build. So you were building this thing, and then we get out to this huge lead, uh, you know, 11 nothing, and we had 
Tim Hudson on the hill. I mean, it all looked like uh, it was going to line up to be just a you know a nice uh, easy party, and it uh, just it just slowly slipped away, which was the absolute worst. And at the time, I wasn't playing, so you know I was kind of on cruise control. Next thing I know, I'm in the cage trying to figure out what clothes I'm going to have to face. Uh, you know, hitting the ball out was the last thing on my mind. But my goodness, uh, to, to cap off that whole streak, that whole run with all those guys, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable throw. Uh, it, it, it was just big home run and big hit after big hit, uh, you know, and, and all your teammates, Miguel Tejada, it seemed like there was a different hero all the time. What was it like just to be a part of something where for 20 straight games, you felt like every single time you showed up to the yard, it was win day? It, it really did. I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt like we were going to find a way. And there were times, there was a lot of drama, especially towards the end there, where we were behind uh, we were behind a lot. We were very comfortable in close games or even playing from behind. Uh, so there's that inner confidence that I think just winning breeds. And plus, it was, you know, a talented young group that just didn't know any better. So me being an older veteran guy, God, it was contagious. Uh, so a lot, lot of similarities some, in some ways to the team now. So they win a lot of one-run games. And I think to do something like that, you got to be comfortable in those situations. And we were. And I think what's crazy, too, is you had three straight walk-offs. You had win number 18 and 19 was Miguel Tejada, and then you're number 20. I mean, to think that's that's how you capped it off was walk-off hits, that that just adds to the drama. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, there's there's nothing like seeing that stadium completely packed at that time. I, you know, to have it that packed and then have it be so dramatic, it was, it was so loud, it was just – it was unbelievable, but there was, there was, like you said, there was a new guy every night, but uh, man, we didn't make it look easy though. I know that's for sure. Yeah. And just, you know, what a special group that was when you think about Barry Zito would go on to win the Cy Young award. Miggy would win the MVP. You guys had a very tight knit special group that season. Talk about what it was like in that clubhouse. It was, you know, like I said, I was a, I was an older guy and these were young up and coming stars. And I, I, I knew the talent, but I knew more than that. It was like a fraternity. These guys, once the game left, I'd been on a lot of teams where, you know, the final out is made and it's 25 different limos. That just wasn't the case. We were like, what room are you going to be in? And we'd all, I mean, we hung out. These guys hung out. They were friends. Uh, so it, it went beyond the baseball field, and I think it translated to what happened on the field. Uh, this, this team pulled for each other. They believed in one another. Uh, it was fun playing. I mean, it really, really was fun. And that could be hard to say at times in the big leagues, but it truly was and made it awesome. Well, it was so special. They they did a best-selling book about it, and then an Oscar-nominated movie, Moneyball, the book and the movie, and you're definitely – you were a part of it. What was that like to go to the movie theater and you're like, Scott Hadbury, I'm, I'm a big part of this movie and this book. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was be, that's still beyond surreal. I mean, uh, I remember the days I spoke to Michael Lewis, the guy who wrote the book, for months. Uh, he told me he was writing a book. And at the time, we weren't getting a whole lot of fans. We didn't work the A's of, uh, you know, that we ended up becoming. So I thought, my gosh, this doesn't seem like a, a very lucrative idea. But I stuck with him and, you know, ended up finding out this guy's a genius. And uh, he wrote some cool, interesting things. I learned a lot more about what Billy Bean's plan was and kind of a uh, pioneering aspects of the game he was bringing. Um, and next thing you know, Brad Pitt's calling you and saying, hey, we want you in this stupid movie. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it was such a whirlwind uh, and out of left field that uh, I still pinch myself. But what a thrill to be a part of. Brad Pitt's giving you a call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I had him and Soderbergh calling me daily. Uh, it was crazy. 
But uh, yeah, no, it was, I mean, I still don't. I still can't figure that one out. I kept their numbers though. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how much? How much of the book and how much of the movie are actually accurate when it comes to you? Well, I, you know, for me, yeah, it, a lot of it was pretty accurate. I mean, um, you, you know, there was it was it was hard adjusting to first base. There was a lot of doubt than that. Uh, you know, the, the biggest part of it, I, you know, the takeaway that I didn't like. Uh, would be just the way Art Howe is portrayed. We really liked Art. Um, I, I don't think it's quite as volatile, but it is a Hollywood movie, so you kind of have to have some kind of villain or uh, you know something of that nature. So that was too bad for Art because we loved him. But but for the most part, we didn't pay for a coke. We got free coke. We didn't have much else, but uh, we did have free coke. <laughs> but other than that, it was pretty real. Scott, I know you got to catch a flight. We really appreciate yeah. appreciate you doing this uh, from the airport, and we'll see you back here in Oakland. And uh, it's always fun to look back at one of the great moments in A's history. Absolutely. Uh, sorry I didn't have more time, Chris, but uh, have fun watching this club because they're pretty exciting too. You know, so gracious of him because he was traveling, and you know he's got to catch a flight. But the fact that we were able to to catch up with Scott that was pretty cool. Also, somebody who was a big part of A's baseball at that time. He was one of my favorites. Mark Mulder, the left-hander, right here on A's Cast. Mark, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend and Scott Reese with A's Cast Live. We appreciate you taking the time. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, We're doing great as today, 17 years ago today, you were part of a team that set a record winning 20 straight games. And uh, we're going to talk to Scott Hatterberg later in the show, but just – Take us through that night, Kansas City. You get out to the lead, you give it up, and then for the third straight day, you would have a walk-off hit. What a special run that was for your ball club. Yeah, it really was. It was, uh, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of the game I remember other than kind of what you said. I mean, I remember being up by a whole bunch with with Hudson on the mound, and you're thinking, oh, here we go, we're just going to cruise win this 20th game and we'll move on to Minnesota. And, uh, you know, before you know it, here come a few more runs. And I remember Huddy getting taken out of the game. And then all of a sudden a few more runs happen. And next thing you know, I think somebody, I think somebody hit a homer to tie it. I don't, I don't remember specifically, but I remember just going, are you kidding me? They just tied the game. Like this is this game. And then obviously Scotty hit that homer, man. And it was, uh, I remember all of us celebrating, and, you know, I tell people, wins, I think, 18, 19, and 20. We, from the field up to the clubhouse, there's maybe 30, 40 steps that we have to go up to. And I just remember all three days just running up those steps with some of the other players just going, are you kidding me? Did that really just happen? You know, because all three of those wins were so crazy and so dramatic that, um, but obviously, Hatterberg probably the craziest of them all. Mark, you don't see a lot of even 10-game win streaks in baseball. 20 is such an incredible number. Was there a point along the way where you and your teammates started to really realize, you know, hey, this is a thing, and, and these games are, are verging on historic now the way we're going? Um, yeah, but it wasn't until those, those last few because if I remember correctly, I think up until win 14, it was everything was about whether we were going to go on strike or not. So those first, you know, wins, let's say eight to 14 weren't even talked about on TV. They weren't even really written about that much other than, Oh, A's won again, because we came down to the deadline and we settled it that the, there was a new agreement right before that, that last night. 
And then, obviously, 15 and 16 got a little bit of attention, and then Tejada had those couple walk-offs that you know, ultimately helped him win the MVP and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was uh, all the attention and all the hype of it didn't happen until the last few wins. Yeah, I forgot about that because you're right. 18 and 19 were the walk-offs for Tejada, Hatterberg in 20. But I forgot yeah. that we were talking labor strife, and we were like, "Oh my God, you can't, you can't, <laughs> can't do stop what, it now. You can't do what they did back in 1994. It'll kill the, it'll kill the sport." Yeah. So all of the attention was on that, and I remember us being in. I remember another, the only other win in that whole thing. I remember. I want to say it was somewhere maybe around 10, 11-ish. We were in Detroit, and we got down a whole. I think Aaron Harang started a game and didn't have a very good game, and we were down a whole bunch in that game, and we made a crazy comeback. Uh, I remember John Mabry hit a big homer, uh, and we ended up winning that game. But like I said, everything, even all the stuff in the clubhouse was all about, okay, what's latest on negotiations? What's this? Because we didn't know what was going to happen. So there really wasn't any attention on our streak until it got to about 16, and then obviously with Tejada's walk-offs, it just blew it up even that much more. So you win 20, back-to-back-to-back walk-offs. You're in this crazy mode. 20 is such a nice round number. But nobody wants this thing to end, right? What was it like, you know, carried over to the next day? And, you know, obviously it ends at 20. But but was there is it disappointment? Was there any sense of relief that you can kind of go about and get back to sort of business as usual? Or what, what was the feeling when the, the streak finally came to an end? Um, I've told a bunch of – I don't know if you guys have heard this story or not. I've told this before. David and, I, and we still get all over David Justice for it, but he gets up prior to the game, and DJ had been on a, you know a handful of those really good Yankee teams and this and that. And DJ kind of gets up in the clubhouse before the game and goes, "Hey guys, I just want to let you guys know something." And we're, this is in Minnesota before the possible twenty-first win, and he gets up and kind of gives a little talk, like, "Guys, this is amazing. I've been on a lot of successful teams with the Indians, the Yankees, whatever it is. What we're doing right now is special." You know, take this in, enjoy it. You know, let's go out and do our thing and this and that. And he gives this really cool speech, and we go out and lose. And <laughs> he, com- he comes in, he comes into the clubhouse right after the game, and I'm not going to be able to say exactly what he said, but he essentially said, that'll be the last time I'm ever getting up and talking ever again. <laughs> and, he, and we turned on music, and you never would have thought that we lost. Because in a way it was, hey, guys, we just did something really cool. Let's enjoy it. Instead of sitting here pouting in the, in the clubhouse, let's just enjoy it. So we basically reacted after that game as we maybe would another type of win throughout the season. You know, we didn't uh, – we, nobody was really too upset other than probably Corey Lytle because he's the one who started that game. But um, – it was just one of those things. I, I believe Brad Radke started for the Twins, and he dealt. So there really wasn't there really wasn't anything we could really do in that game. He pitched great. You know, I, I asked this of Scott Hatterberg earlier today when we uh, taped an interview with him. You know, when you're going through it, you may not really know how special it is. But after that, because of your group and what was going on, a best-selling book was written about your group, Moneyball. <laughs> then Brad Pitt is putting together a movie that was up for an Oscar. When you look back now, even though you guys didn't end up winning a World Series, 
But your group really was so special. How do you how how do you look back on that group and that run that led to a best selling book and an Oscar nomination for a movie? Well, I, th- I think it's the word you just used, special. I mean, the major not the majority, a good part of that team. I'm still in contact with a lot of those guys. I we still text, we still talk from time to time. A few of the guys I still see all the time. Um, imagine if we would have won a World Series with that team. I mean, that would have been. That would have been crazy, you know. It's just, it's it's one of those things where, but I almost look back at a handful of those teams, and it's, in a way, it's kind of disappointing because we were so talented and we were so good, and we were, but we were so young. And I realized that when I got traded to St. Louis, that very veteran-type team, that's what made me realize how important some of those older guys who'd been there, done it, had playoff success, just how important they were come playoff time, which we never had in any of those Oakland, on any of those Oakland teams. First of all, Mark, for, for the record, there was not enough Mark Mulder in the movie. Okay, let's just get that out there. Right <laughs> um, but, but that said, you know, I'm sure you were asked this a hundred times when the film came out, but I'm curious as somebody who's seen it multiple times, how close did they encapsulate the spirit of that run and that win streak and how that movie ended? Um, well, first and foremost, I thought the, I thought the movie was good. I, I thought they did a good job. I mean, there were so many things in the movie that were uh, blown out of proportion. <laughs> right. Blown out of proportion, I guess, or made up, you know. I mean, but it's we weren't paying for drinks in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> you know. Things like that. I mean, there were a lot of things that they showed that I personally, interactions with players, uh, whether it's David Justice in the batting cage. I mean, some a lot of those things never happened. You know, so there, there could have been a conversation, but it, it wasn't like that. So some of those things were made up. Um, but to be fair, I thought the movie was great. Um, I've only ever watched it one time. Um I, no reason. Just I thought it was good. I'm not a big person who rewatches movies, but it was uh, it was fun to watch, and you know they did a good job. But a lot of the stuff I think with our team and things like that, it's hard to really put that into a movie to where the people at home can understand just how close of a team we were. I'd probably say the number one thing is how they kind of made Art Howe look like the villain, right? And there was no way yeah. he was the villain. You guys loved Art. Art was great. Art was, Art. I mean, he's one of the he was one of the nicest people in baseball that I'd ever met, you know. And but that's that's my whole point is so many things in that movie were made to be something they weren't, you know. I mean, you can sit there and say, okay, Art was mad when Billy got rid of the guys that he wanted to play, or, you know, so that Art was forced to play certain guys, whatever it is, but. That that how it all went down with Art was not his personality, and it wasn't the way he acted, and it wasn't the way he carried himself. So, who should have played you in the movie? Oh, jeez, I have I have no idea. <laughs> when when I, we when you do the sequel, who's going to play Mark Mulder? I, I don't think anybody will play Mark Mulder because <laughs> it really wasn't that important. <laughs> <laughs> well, your time here in Oakland was so special, and, and let's end on this. Hudson Bowler and Zito, you guys are always going to be linked together. What was a what was yeah. it like to be a part of that trio? Um, 
Wow. Um, I would probably say, you know, the, the small amount of success that I did have um, in my short-ish career, I wouldn't have had if it wouldn't have been for them because we pushed each other each and every day. Um, nobody really wanted to be that weak link in the rotation. I think because the three of us were so looked at as, as one almost that, you know, they put – we they put more pressure on me, but in a good way. Um, we could all learn from each other, even though all three of us pitched kind of completely different. Um, it was the way you watch them handle certain situations, the way they go about their business day in, day out. And um, I, I just appreciate that time. We, we had a great time together. Like I said, the whole team, not the three of us, we were all young. We were all having success together. And uh, it made for some great years. Hey, Mark, we always appreciate the time. Love having you on. Hit them straight down there in the Valley of the Sun, and we'll catch up with you yep. later on. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mark was an absolute stud and uh, always going to be remembered for one of the great A's left-handers. Ron Washington, who is now with the Atlanta Braves. Of course, Wash, everybody loves Wash, one of the best coaches in all of Major League Baseball, just an inspiration we got a chance to catch up with Wash before a Braves game as he remembers the two, the 20 game winning streak. Here's Ron Washington. Well, it is an absolute honor to have on an A's legend. What this man did as a coach for the Oakland Athletics and he's doing it now with the Atlanta Braves as they're having a fantastic year. Ron Washington is with us. Wash, always great to bring you back with the Athletics and the Green and Gold. How have you been? I've been great, and it's always nice to talk baseball that uh, that green and gold can hear. So we celebrated yesterday the 17th anniversary of the 20-game winning streak and got a chance to talk to Scott Hatterberg about the pinch hit home run. We got a chance to speak with uh, Mark Mulder and what he recalled because – you know, it just wasn't that 20th game. You had the, the two walk-offs from Miguel Tejada in game 18 and 19 of the streak. When you look back 17 later, 17 years later, what do you look at most fondly about that winning streak, your time with the A's? Well, I look at the when it begins. Um, you know, David Justice got on the bus when we first left, and I think we went to Kansas City, and he said we'd be going on a – a uh, 10-game road trip, and we should come back with nine wins. And we came back with 10. And we came home for a seven-game road homestand or six-game homestand, and he said, shoot, we should get five out of six. We won six in a row. And from that point on, you know, it just came down to us just playing the type of baseball that we've been playing, pitching the ball, catching the ball, and getting timely hitting. And that's exactly what it took through the whole 20 games, pitching, defense, and timely hitting. You know, what was, what was fascinating yesterday about Mark Mulder was Mark said it wasn't until he got to St. Louis did he realize the veteran presence on that ball club in, in really 01, 02, how much it helped young guys like him. You know, we, we, we think of the, the, the star young players. You think about, you know, the Cy Young with, with Zito and Tejada being the MVP. But talk about how the veteran guys – like justice really helped these young guys get over the top. Well, you know, he brought that presence. I, I think we already had a, a young core that uh, knew how to play together and they played together in the minor leagues. And um, 
you know, we just had an attitude that every night we took the, the field that we had a chance simply because of the pitching that we had and the pride that we took in catching the ball. And, um, you know, from that point on, you know, we used to just play and then get one base hit through the whole game and we'll win it. And uh, that's what, that exactly what, what we were about. We were about playing nine innings and whatever it took to win it, we did it. And every day we came to the ballpark, we came to the ballpark to prepare to do just that, win ball game. And talk about the craziness of that win, the 20th straight win, where you have the big lead, you got Tim Hudson on the mound, you think this is a no-brainer, all of a sudden KC comes back, and then you have the moment of Scott Hatterberg hitting the biggest home run of his career. Well, to be honest with you, um, we never felt comfortable. We really never felt comfortable because of the way the game was flowing. And then um, Mike uh, had a big first baseman they had. I can't think of his name when he hit the grand slam. Sweeney? Uh, Mike Sweeney? Closer. Sweeney. It was Sweeney. He hit the grand slam and put him closer. And, you know, then we begin to say, okay, we got to score more runs. We got to score more runs. But, you know, the thing about those guys, they always did what was necessary. And um, so when Hatterberg stepped up there and then hit the home run that, that, that won that 20th game for us, um, to be honest with you, it was a great feeling, but it certainly wasn't anything that we was concerned about. We still felt like we was going to win that game. But he put the icing on the cake, and that was tremendous. And little did we know at that time that this team was being looked at and was going to have a best-selling book written about it and then after the, the book Moneyball, then you're going to have Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean, and it's an Oscar-nominated film. You guys had no idea how big this was going to get. When you look back, how crazy it, you and Scott Hatterberg, both playing a big part in the book and the movie. Well, you know, you look back on it, and it was one of those times where early in the year, we wasn't so sure who we were, you know. Uh, we had made so many changes, but... Uh, one thing we had in that clubhouse was togetherness. Uh, we had accountability uh, toward each other in that clubhouse, and that's the one thing that kept us going. We was responsible for each other. It wasn't always the same guy that's doing it. Although one night, Miguel, two nights in a row, Miguel Tejada came through, Eric came through. I mean, it was the whole team that came through, but it all started on that mound with our pitching staff. And to be honest with you, you never thought that uh, today, 17 years, as you say, we would still be talking about it. Matter of fact, Katrina destroyed my uh, plaque with the 20 victories on it. And um, when I came there as a Texas Ranger manager, uh, they renewed the plaque for me. So that was a wonderful feeling also. Well, of course, because uh, what you mean in A's history as a coach and, and helping so many guys, you've been so instrumental. And we'll definitely get into Marcus Simeon a little bit later. How did you feel about your portrayal in the movie and, and also in the book? Well, you know, the only thing about it that, that, that confused me, I never did my work on the sideline. You know, the guy that played me, he was on the sideline uh, yelling out to these guys when he was catching, catching balls, calling them a picking machine, but uh, doing workouts. He wasn't doing the game. That was the only thing. Other than that, you know, when you make a film, some things are embellished, but the true story behind it was that uh, – Billy Bean and his group used to just get guys and bring in our clubhouse that everyone thought was finished, and they would have super years with us because the the way our clubhouse was constructed. Um, as I said, we was already in our clubhouse as being accountable to everyone in that clubhouse, 
and everyone that came in, they fell in line. You know, when we when we got uh, big Frank Thomas, when we got David Justice, we got Tim Raines. Um, we even brought back Ricky Henderson one year. Nothing ever changed in our demeanor and how we went about our business. And, um, you know, that has a lot to do with the way Billy Bean and them ran the organization, the way Mocker and, and, and Art Howell ran the, the, the team itself, and the, the responsibilities that the players took on. Um, it was just a wonderful time. And, um, you know, I know they can say that we never went further than the first half, except for one year we, we ended up going to Detroit and they ended up sweeping us. But from that point on, it was everyday business. And you have to love that situation. I know I did. I enjoyed every year that I've ever had in Oakland. So you played with Billy Bean and then you worked with Billy Bean. Talk about your relationship with him because you guys go way back together. What I love most about Billy is his honesty. You always knew where he was coming from. You always knew how he felt. He never hid his feelings. He always wore them out on his sleeve. And most of the time, he was right about the things he complained about. So, um, and and he was a he was a tremendous ball player. He never made it to the point where everybody thought he would make it. But uh, you know, the first time I met him, he came in. He met us in New York. He went five for five. He, we just had gotten him from um, I think we had gotten him from the Mets. And, um, but, you know, things just never went right as far as the superstardom that he had when, when he came over there. But I tell you what, he certainly know how to handle individuals, and he's a person that I owe a lot to. And I'll never forget that. You know, let's talk about some of the guys that, that you had here that had great success in the infield. And we, we think of Eric Chavez, one of the greatest defensive third basemen that we have ever seen. He gave you one of his gold gloves because of all the work and how you mentored him. Talk about what it was like coaching Eric. Well, you know, the first time that I got a chance to meet Eric, I got in a list from the minor league director, uh, and he had all kind of things on his list that Eric couldn't do. And I said, well, if he can't do these things, what is he doing in the big league? So the way I handled things, I went to Eric, and I wanted to get it from straight from Eric. And he said, well, I catch the ball. My problem is I throw so the only thing that I ever worked with Eric on is his footwork. And from that point on, the rest is Eric. Uh, he deserved all the credit for all the gold gloves that he got. I remember one day they said, do you think Eric can get a gold glove? I said, I think Eric can get a gold glove, but Eric got to want that gold glove. Not because I think he can get that gold glove. Well, Eric went out there and he put in the work, you know. Nobody knows. Uh, we hit the field every morning at 8 o'clock. Eric was out there every morning at 730 um, he would get to the ballpark at 5.30 in the morning. He would make sure that his back, you know, he was having problems with his back, but he was making sure that his back was always able to go out there and do what he had to do. And he was out on the field at 7.30 every morning. Eric earned everything that he got out of it. And I remember one time someone mentioned to me after uh, when he got late in his career about, well, he's always heard. I said, holy, you're going to look at Eric first six, seven, eight years. He played every day. We could not pry him out of that lineup. And when we lost Mark McGuire and then we lost uh, Jason Giambi, Eric stepped up and became the leader of that club. And um, he's a wonderful man. Uh, he's a wonderful person. Um, you know, he did a lot for that organization. And people don't know how often he played hurt. And um, that's the thing I admired about him the most. He never complained about anything. All he ever did was show up. He deserved everything he got. And if he wouldn't have hurt his back, I think he would have had 10, 11 straight gold gloves without a doubt. You know, you think about that era, and that era had so many great shortstops. 
And not enough was said about Miguel Tejada. Everybody want to talk about Jeter and Arod and Omar Garcia Parra. We know how good Miggy was offensively, but talk about how good he was also defensively. Another one that put in the work, put in the time. Um, he worked his butt off. He was a tremendous shortstop. He had tremendous range. And the one thing we had to make sure with Miguel was he would go left and right and get balls and wouldn't finish it. And the one thing I always told him, anybody can go left and right and catch a ball, but those that are going to be recognized are those that can finish the play. And he worked, and he became a tremendous shortstop. And as you said, he never got the credit for it because of he was always fighting at Derek Jeter's. But uh, he meant a lot to our organization the years that he was there, and he was a big part of all the winning that we done there. And um, he's always going to be someone that will be huge in my heart. And um, I'm just happy. I'm just sad that when he left Oakland and he went to uh, Baltimore, things didn't continue in that direction. Well, and, and then probably one of your greatest successes is a, is a guy that we see every single day. And I'm so proud of Marcus Simeon. I think we all are because we watched how when you showed up, and you basically broke him down and got him to go from scratch. And the fact that Marcus worked so hard with you every day and he he did it in front of everybody, where some big leaguers would not want to do it in front of everybody and feel so vulnerable, Marcus did it in front of everybody every single day, and he has truly turned himself into one of the best shortstops in the game, how much do you just admire him as a person for letting you come in and change him into one of the great infielders in the game now? Well, it's, it's a bunch of things that happen. Number one, Billy Bean wanted him to be a shortstop. He and Dave Force. And number three, you definitely can't forget about Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin allowed me to come in there and be a part of that family. And number four, Marcus, the first time I met him in Tampa Bay, I told him if he want to ever reach where he's capable of being, he's going to have to put in the work. And that work's going to be consisting of him coming out here every single day, going through the basics of what it takes to be an infielder, learning all the nuances of being a shortstop and an infielder. And if he's willing to do that, um, I can help him. I can help him get where he want to get. But I can't help him if he's not willing to put in the time. Well, the rest is history. Marcus put in the time. And the thing that I admire the most is all that time we put together, he's held on to it because I'm no longer there. And as a, as a, as a teacher or a coach, um, all you can do is give your knowledge and your wisdom. But if your pupil cannot apply it, your wisdom and knowledge goes for naught. Well, my wisdom and knowledge didn't go for naught because Marcus Simeon is that type of person that applied, that was willing to work. He wasn't ashamed of, of being seen, and he did it. And he deserved all the credit for it. All I did was put the bricks down there, and he followed the road. Well, I tell you what, he's going to get a big contract coming up here. He's going to he's going to need to at least take you to dinner. Well, he always do that anyway. He's a he's a very special man. He's a very special daddy, and he's a very special player. And I think Oakland is uh, beginning to see that. A lot of times, when you put in the time, it may not look like things are going to happen. But if you put in the time and you're serious about putting in the time and you're dedicated to putting in the time, good things happen and good things are happening for the Oakland A's and Marcus Simeon, that's for certain. Let's end on this. The ball club you're with now, the Atlanta Braves, you got a lot of talent. you got a lot of young talent. 
and we're seeing a resurgence. And Josh Donaldson, you know, a guy that we love here in Oakland. And right now you're leading your division. You're going to be going to the playoffs. Just talk about what just, you know, how Atlanta has changed and they've become such a strong team in the NL East. Well, the, the one thing that always comes up is the talk during spring training that we didn't do anything over the winter to strengthen our club. Well, what strengthen our club is the basis of what you're talking about, our young players. Our young players have gotten better. They have worked their tail off, and they have gotten better. And this is a tremendous group, and this group, I'm only comparing them right now, and I'm the only one that can do that. I'm comparing them to the group I had in Oakland, um, the, the, the Chavis, the Miguel, the Mark Ellis, the Jason Giambis, and uh, the Scott Hatterbergs and all those guys on the infield. Uh, they came and put in the time, man, and these young kids put in the time. They don't question what you're trying to do. They just show up every day and go about their business, and the the results is us being back in first place, and we're back in first place simply because of our young talent. They have gotten better, and that's the one thing that I think any any coach, any manager should be proud of is that their youth get better. I was gotten better, and they're the reason we are where we are, along with guys like Donaldson. Freddie Freeman, Mark Cakes before he got hurt. We brought in um, um, McCain, the catcher, who's a, who's a winner. Uh, so when you put all of those type of veterans with those young kids that come to play every day, the results is what you're looking at right now. Uh, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We're in a good position. We have to play the schedule out. And I can tell you this, these kids will play the schedule out. They're not looking ahead. They're looking at one thing today. Wash, you will always be an A's legend. Thank you so much for taking the time, and good luck to your Braves the rest of the way in the postseason, and we'll catch up with you in the offseason. Okay, and thank you for having me on, and go A's. We wish Wash and the Atlanta Braves all the best in the postseason. Good luck to them, and see if they can knock down the mighty Los Angeles Dodgers. And then also a man who broadcasted during this time. And you talk about a guy who's seen it all with A's baseball. He's the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, the great Ray Fossey. And a man who was also a part of the call, the great Ray Fossey. <laughs> and he joins us here, the face of the franchise, two-time. Hey, you got to hurry up. You got Mark Langston. World Series champion. Two-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover. That's right. That's right. Rawlings Gold Glove winner. That's right. Rawlings. Got to say Rawlings because they're the – the sponsor. Got to get the sponsor. That's right. You got to do that, yeah. man. Nobody talks about. That's why Jim Hughes, a great pitcher, he said there are only two guys that ever talk about the Gold Glove being a Rawlings Gold Glove: Dwayne Kuyper and me. <laughs> got to say it, man. I use Rawlings catchers, man. Anyway, hey Clay, this is the greatest ground crew right here. The best there is, Clay Wood. Well, he's the greatest groundskeeper. His time's and he's gotta, coming. He's got to deal with football because yeah. of you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> his time's coming. Because of you. After the first Raider game, we always bring him on yeah. to talk about it. It's his time. So, win number 18, win number 19, yeah. win number 20, they were all walk-offs. Yeah. What was that like? I thought it was great because of the way uh, Miguel Tejada won the first two. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing it with the drawn-in infield, five infielders in one, hit, a, I think, a home run in the other. But, uh, no, it, it was exciting. And uh, Langer. See, five thirty. Mark Langston. I told you he's going to be <laughs> he's here. He's early. No. How are we doing, buddy? This is the greatest left-hander. High leg kick. Anyway, he's uh, great. He's the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player. Next to you. 
That's what you told me before he walked up. You two were number one. He was number two. Now, the, the 20th probably, and I'm going to hurry up because you want to have Mark Langston on here. That's the most important thing. What time, 5.30? No. Uh, but the 20th win, probably the most improbable win because Tim Hudson on the mound, an 11 to nothing lead with Tim Hudson on the mound. Yeah. And you figure it's over. And even Billy Bean, who never watched a game, came back because it was 11 to nothing. And next thing you know, it's 11 to 11. The thing about the game, and, of course, you had Scott Hatterberg on who hit the, the memorable home run and, you know, dropping the 20 down after he hit the home run. But Billy Koch gave up the tying run. Luis Alisea got a base hit to drive in the tying run. Alisea moved up to second base on the throat of the plate, I think it was. Alisea got picked off at second with two outs hmm. in the ninth inning. What are you doing? You're in scoring position. <laughs> Billy Koch just blew the save, and he got picked off at second base. And then Hatterberg comes up and hits the home run. So you talk about everything working that way. But, uh, but I worked with the late Bill King on radio that game, and uh, a lot of fun. I remember telling, telling Bill, I said, uh, you know, normally it's like, hey, I'm on the air here. You want to come on the air with me? Okay, man. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I told Bill because I did uh, innings three, four, and seven. And after I did seven and it tied it up, I said, I'm finished. I said, I'm not going to have the call. And, of course, it was Bill King with the great call with Kyle Scott Hatterberg hitting the home run. But, but you know, it was, it was – I mean, you going back, uh, there were games that I figured it was over. I remember in Detroit, A's were down something like seven to one, seven to nothing late in the game. John Mabry probably was the most important player for the A's during that period of time. He got more hits to win games Clutch. than anybody. Yep. It was unbelievable to see as well. And he was kind of a throw-in in the movie. It's like, who, give me whoever you want to. John Mabry was the guy. And he came in, and he was so great. He was great in the clubhouse. He was great on the bench. He was a great hitter. And in the game in Detroit, I think it was Mabry who hit the grapper in right center, drove in three, and all of a sudden the A's came back and won the game. And I figured that was the game that was going to end. It didn't end because of John Mabry. But uh, uh, it, was, it was a special run. But you know what's proof about if you win 20 in a row? You lose in the first round of the playoffs because the Indians won 22 in a row, and they lost the first round of the playoffs as well. So be careful. <laughs> be careful <laughs> what, what you, you do. Yeah, right. You know, you win all these games, and the Angels – during that same period of time, the Angels were neck and neck. I mean, you went 20 in a row. You figured you are going to run away with the division. Yeah. <laughs> Angels were neck and neck. What was it, like 17 and 20 or 18 or 20? I mean, it's an unbelievable run. <laughs> you can say it, Mark. I'll just repeat it. You'll have it, you'll have it on a couple of minutes. Look, I'm not part of this questions. conversation. I no, but, uh, but no, it was uh, – it was an improbable run. It, it was pretty special. It, pretty special. We heard in the last hour the calls from both the Nationals and the yeah, Mets from yeah. last night, sure. and, and the Mets blow up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what is it like being in the booth when something like that unfolds? I mean, you know, the, the walk-off for one thing, but the 11 nothing part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you just – it's the, the – on one side, it's utter disbelief, and you want to throw things and start right. swearing. And on the other side, you're like, you feel charmed. I mean, what's it like calling I, that? I, I think it was just one of those things that was meant to be. It's meant to be for Scott Hatterberg to pick up somebody's bat. And, and if, you know, Scott Hatterberg is a good player. 
I mean, but he, he was a catcher. Blew out his arm. I mean, the part of the movie where he couldn't throw was true. Yeah. And they made him a first baseman. And uh, I think Wash's statement was great. Anybody can play first base. And Wash says, no breaking way. <laughs> it's <laughs> incredibly know, hard. That's right. Yeah. In so many words, he said that. But, uh, but you know, it, it was just one of those things. Uh, Ross, uh, Jason Grimsley. It was Jason Grimsley, I think it was, he yes, gave up yeah. the home run, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so many things happened. But, you know, I, I'll say this. I, I was not part of the movie in the movie, but being a part of the 20-game win streak, that's why when I was asked to be in the movie, I said, I don't want to be scripted because I saw it. You know, and they would have told me things to say that, that were not say. part yeah, of, yeah. you know, being a part of the 20-game win streak. But the interesting thing in game 19, our daughter Nikki was here, and my wife had come upstairs. And when Tahada got the game-winning hit, number 19 goes up, Nikki's down below cheering. So she's in the movie. 30 seconds later, <laughs> you hear my voice when Billy's driving to Visalia, and I simply said, if you're not at this game, you're really missing something. The 11 to nothing, Billy turns around and comes back. So within 30 seconds, Nikki was in it, I was in it, and that was it. And Billy comes back and it's 11 to 11. Oh, no, but it's, it, it was a great run, and, and I'm happy for Scott Hatterberg. You know, and, and the movie, everything was great. Uh, it, it's just that whenever we went to the premiere, my wife says, don't you say one word because, you know, and I asked Billy after. I said, what do you think? And he said, yeah, you know, 50, 60 percent because there were a lot of things in it. Art Howe was the most, yeah. the best in-shape manager I've ever seen. And then he got, unfortunately, somebody playing him who was not in great shape. But the great Mark Langston's here getting ready to go on uh, with you, and he's got to yeah, work yeah. because he's, he's, with, uh, he's, he's with the Angels. He's got to get upstairs and work. So let's. Uh, but you, but you, babe, but you, but you, you know, you know what? I'll say this about Mark Langston. Mark Langston didn't like it when I said a catcher should tell him what to throw. Oh, I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, "Gotta go." <laughs> now he was a great pitcher. Thank you, Fossey. Hey, what? I said thank you. What would you call me? Ray Fossey. No, you said Fossey. Fossey. No. Ray Fossey. My name is Ray. We're, Raymond Fossey? No, just Ray. We're on, we're on a first-name basis. <laughs> Turn it over to the great Mark Langston. The face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. We remember the 20-game winning streak. We all, what a special night that was. What a special time. All the Tejada walk-offs, all the great pitching efforts to win 20 games in a row. That will always be remembered. Thank you to Scott Hatterberg, Mark Mulder, Ron Washington, Ray Fossey. Enjoy the rest of the season and enjoy A's Unfiltered right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 